Hi, welcome to another, yeah, another edition of Hashtag Fully Booked Meets. You're here with myself, Mace. Myself, French. Myself, Andrew. And we're joined by a guest who goes by the name of, is this your real name or you go by the name of? It's my real name. All right, of Sully? Sule. Sule. See that little French spin on it. <laughs> Let's clap him in, guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming down. So I've got to say, you're probably, you're probably the most suave dressed guest we've had on her so far. Oh, okay. I yeah. like setting standards. You know? you <laughs> 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 So, I came straight from work, though. Okay, fair yeah. dues. All right. So, Sully, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, we've brought you down there for a reason. I don't want to give that away to the, to the listeners here. I want you to explain. What, tell me well, tell me a little bit about yourself so the listeners can, can, can gauge. Yeah, I'm still about. trying to work out that reason myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Suley, Suley Mohedin. Mm-hmm. That's my government name, my official name. Yeah. Um, some people call me Suley, we're a poet. Okay. It's basically because I'm a poet. Yeah. But my poetry is mainly inspired by rap. So it's kind of like bridging the gap between William Shakespeare and Jay-Z. Okay. So it's poetry that's influenced by rap. Mm-hmm. Um, but spoken word, really. But okay. I just call it that because it's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... How long have you been doing spoken rap or spoken word, spoken rap? In a professional capacity, about five years. Five years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but before that, I used to... I tried I tried out being a rapper, but it didn't work yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you certainly you used to wear the clothes anyway. Baggy, <laughs> no, baggy enough anyway. <laughs> I had the image, the full nines, everything, yeah, you know. I remember um, that. Yeah, it didn't really work out, so I yeah. just kind of adapted and became a poet. Um, but that was on purpose, though. That was an intention and okay. um, choice because it was more about being heard about what you were saying rather yeah. than, you know, people just listening to you for the turn up or whatever, the vibe... You know, it was yeah. more about the essence and the message that you wanted to communicate. And for me, rap and music was the best way of communicating that. All right, cool. So I, I take it, whether it was in your household or outside influences, from an early age, music was a big part of your life. Or word, word play, should I say, was a big part of your life and spreading message through wordplay. Yeah, absolutely. Accurate I mean, to say. Growing up in the household, my dad always played music. Yeah. But it was more kind of like the old school stuff, like Motown, down okay. to like Johnny Gill, my, 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 all that type <laughs> of stuff, you know. Um, all the way down to like the Mariah Carey's and the Whitney Houston and stuff like that. Um, and then kind of taking that from that point, um, going to school with the Walkman, listening to yeah, the Blueprint, yeah. Jay-Z and stuff. Um, and then kind of catching up with the two parks and the biggies. Um, yeah, and I fell in love with wordplay, man. I fell in love with the with the idea of being able to convey something in different ways, you know. And that led me to other forms of art and other mm-hmm. forms of expression, like you know, spoken word and visual arts and drama and all these other things, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really I'm really fond of communication, you know. Okay. I enjoy the idea of like communing with people and finding different ways to engage with people. Um, and I think it all links back to my interest in psychology. I think. Yeah, I mean, on this podcast we speak, it's based around books. So we're going to kind of get into it a bit later. But mm. what's your relationship with books and uh, the creative side of it? Yeah, that's it's funny because I think when I was younger, I never really engaged with books. Um, and I think that's mainly based on the influences that I had around me. Mm. Um, I didn't know many people who were like, hey, I'm reading this cool book. You should check it out. You know, mm-hmm. it was more about films and, you know, all this new music uh, album yeah. and so on um, but I grew into it myself just kind of like finding my own interests and I think the things that we read um, come from the things that we want to learn more about from our curios- curiosity um, and when that's not instilled in you when you don't have a curiosity for something um, that you're really interested in it's hard to find that and to find an interest in books um, because the books that we're kind of showed in school are you know novels or 
you know, history books about mm. things that aren't even relevant to us, things that mm. we don't really care about. Um, but when you find that thing that you're passionate about and things that you want to build more on, then you find the right source to get that information. Mm -hmm. And I think once I arrived to that place, then I, then I started to find a real interest in books. And that for me is about self-help and motivation. Okay. Um, so when I found self-help books and I was like, wow, I didn't even know that this type of thing existed. Yeah. I was then, then I got really interested in like the Les Browns and the yeah. Tony Robinsons and the Eric Thomas and the Simon Sinek and all these people mm -hmm. um, that I'm really interested to read about. Yeah. And what sort of age did you get into those type of books? Because, I mean, I don't know if you were able to reflect, but... Oh, I said obviously when we we're communicating obviously via um, Insta that I wasn't really surprised with where you've kind of ended up and I know you'll divulge obviously a few of the things you're doing very soon but I remember and I'm sure Jonathan remember as well actually I don't know if you remember actually but I remember you being very um, used to love debate um, used to talk a lot about kind of like your self-worth I know and you were very articulate as well at the time as well so the path and the journey that you took in regards to Sandy where it was um, expressing yourself and stuff like that didn't really surprise me. So where did the um, the, the type of books come in come into play? Yeah, that's interesting because that observation isn't one that I share. <laughs> you know, I always just be myself. You know, you're growing up and you're trying to find your feet, trying to find out who you are. And I think I've always had an interest in politics, like politics in a, with a small p in a sense that, you know, things that happen in your community, things that happen in the playground, things that happen in your area amongst friends, about statuses, you know, who's the most popular, who's the smartest, who's the strongest, all these things that uh, kids in through their adolescent phase kind of go through. Mm -hmm. um, and I gravitate towards that because I think that's, that's where I felt most comfortable. I really thrived in that environment. Um, and I was able to connect with lots of people at different levels. And I didn't see many people our age who were able to do that effectively and I think once you find something that you connect with you want you want more of it mm -hmm. because that's when you feel important that's when you feel a sense of value and you want to build and expand on that um, and so connecting that idea to the idea of self-worth and the idea of debate and learning more about politics now with the big P you know mm. um, the national politics like government and so on um, that's where that kind of connection came from. And then the connection again to self-help books and motivation because of those ideas about where does that self-esteem or that self uh, sense of self come from? Yeah. And then how do you build more of that um, and capitalize on it? Because, uh, you know, if you subscribe to the idea that everything is uh, things that you can capitalize on and potentially make an income from or sell or whatever, mm -hmm. um, then it's, you know, I think it's important to put in time and develop your talents and the yep. things that you're, that you're good at. Um, just in the same way that, you know, we used to play football, basketball, and we spent a lot of time doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's important to train the mind and, you know, this is where books come in, you know, as well as the connections that you have with people and learning from people that inspire you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So um, what are you doing now in terms of, like, I know you say you're doing poetry. What, what else do you do? Um, so, yeah, poetry is something I've been doing for a while. Um, I've managed to kind of translate <coughs> books or um, people's ideas or education into something a bit more um, accessible for people through poetry and spoken word. Um, and that's where kind of fundamentally what I do. 
Um, and then the other aspect of that is um, I do political engagement. Mm-hmm. So I work with communities, uh, um, capacity building, um, galvanizing community, making sure that communities have a voice in the policies that affect them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lead on young people. So for the borough that I work in, mm. I lead on young people for that borough. So making sure that young people's voices are reflected in the services that government deliver. Local government. Yeah, providing. precisely, yeah. So, so are you more, sorry, I was about to come on a question, you might have answered it. So you're not, because I was going to say, are you more freelance or are you are you actually with a particular local local authority? I'm with a, I'm with a local authority, but I also do things freelance as well. Okay, yeah. cool. It's funny because I think, I think so that's my, my day job, so to speak, but mm. it also creates opportunities to do other things in other areas, mm-hmm. um, in other local authorities and um, in central government as well. So through my work, I meet MPs as well. Um, and so on, which also creates opportunities, even if it's like speaking at a Black History Month event or, mm. you know, doing a poem for World Mental Health Day or mm. um, speaking at, you know, um, Women's Day or, you know, like lots of different things that come out of that, you know. Um, and sometimes tragic things happen, like the attack at London Bridge. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then because of my connection to Borough Market and having worked with them before and um, written some poetry for the market uh, as part of the engagement, um, opportunities arose from that mm-hmm. to be the person who got to open the market after it was closed down following that attack. Wow. Um, so after the the minute silence, um, I was the first voice to be heard through my poetry, How was which that? marked the opening of the market, and that was that was big. That yeah. was big for me. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. Was that? Did you have an emotional tie when that happened? In terms of, um, I don't know your connection with it entirely but was there anyone that you knew that was involved or people that you knew that was involved when it happened mm. so i guess my primary connection is that i live in the area mm-hmm. that's my local area mm-hmm. um my connection to the market is that i've worked in the market for years um and have friends there um and then thirdly the connection to the to the tragedy itself or to the attack itself me being uh, a young black male Muslim mm-hmm. and all these things that are stereotypically things that might play against you. Mm-hmm. Now there's an opportunity for you to um, to look at those things and to challenge the notions of those things and the stereotypes of those things mm-hmm. um, and actually tell the world what you're seeing there isn't a representation of all people who come from that place mm-hmm. or come from that background or have that belief or that faith um, and that that type of thing really emotionally connects with me and it, and it moves me and it compels me to want to do more of those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sorry, how does, um, just to step back a bit, because we've got to a point where, like, you're opening up, essentially open, opening back up Borough Market, you're the first person to speak. How does a young Sule who, who's in love with the baggy clothes and the hip-hop and rap... And, well, the, and kind of the, the wordplay that's linked to that and then goes into the says okay I want to deliver a message via like similar format but more poetry spoken word how do you get to the point now where you are the first person who speaks about Mark after such a tragic incident where people are commanding your services or something like that tell me, tell me a bit about that journey mm. um, I think we are who we are and I think throughout life I don't I don't more recently, I've come to think that we don't change. Mm. I think we grow into who we are. 
Um, and I think our experiences shape us and support us and guide us through that process of growing into who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think everything that I've done or everything that I've achieved to some people is a surprise. Like, wow, like that's Soleil or that's Sauce. They used to call me Sauce. Sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they called me Sauce before Sauce, sauce was a thing. Like, you know, before they said, yo, you got the Sauce. It was just my name. Uh, it came from It came from Sweet and Sour. And then it became Sauce and like, you know. That was my name, you know, as a teenager, (laughs) you know. Um, So yeah, people saying, you know, how did Source become this? Mm. But I think there's, there's always, there's always been something intrinsically in me Mm -hmm. that knew or believed or thought that this is who I'm supposed to be. I, I'm not surprised at all. I'm actually surprised I'm not ahead. Okay, (laughs) you know, like there, there are things that I think when you have high expectations of yourself, you want to achieve and you wish to achieve more of, but. You know, from a, a young age, I always knew I was going to go to uni. Yeah. Before I knew what kind of education I was going to have. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I always knew I was going to go to university. I always knew that, you know, by the age of 30, I would get married. And it just happened, you know, um, that I always knew that I wanted to achieve a level of success, you know, amongst my community and a level of success within myself. Um, and most of those things I've done. And I have another year plan and two years plan and a five-year plan mm-hmm. about what I'm going to achieve next. Mm-hmm. And I see that vividly in my mind. Okay. And I think that helps having uh, kind of an internal compass, a theater of the mind, if you like, that directs you because you've seen where you're going. And so you have a clear process and a clear path of how you're going to get there. Yeah. You know, when you when you lack that vision and you lack that clarity about what it is that you want to do and how you're going to do it, for me, it's impossible to do that. Okay. Tell me, sorry. So tell me about how did the dots finally connect? How did, when was the, when did, when was the first time you said, okay, something's happening here for me, or you got your first kind of, the first person reached out or you, you kind of, you kind of reached out to someone to say, look, I've got something special here that I want to show you. When was the point where you realized things were progressing? That's what I want to know. Yeah, that's a hard question. (laughs) I think, yeah. One of the things I always say to other young people I work with is about taking time to reflect on your successes and your and your journey because if you don't learn, you know, most of us take time to look at our failures and be like, you know, I went wrong here. How can I fix it? How can I improve it? But we also have to look at our successes mm. because if you want to replicate that, you have to know exactly what you did to yeah. win. Yeah. And so you can do more of that. Um, and that's something I didn't do when I was younger. And so I missed that opportunity to be like, oh, that's when it happened. Yeah. But I guess in hindsight, it's probably that transition from leaving home. I left home at 18 to go to university. Yeah. Um, and I never went back home. Yeah. Um, and when that happened, to get independence, to have a sense of autonomy, to find yourself, all these things that I guess, you know, when you move away from home and you go to university in a different city, um, we don't always think about, we think about the education and what you're going to gain from your degree or your master's or whatever. But we don't think about life lessons, you know, the things that happen that you can't just turn to your left and be like, hey, mom, you know, mm-hmm. or hey, dad, you know, things that you just have to deal with and become a man or become a woman or become the individual that you need to become um, in order to thrive in life. Mm-hmm. And I think when that happened, when I left home and I started to make my own decisions and find myself, that's when everything fell into place. Um, 
like, I mean, you said a lot of things in regards to um, almost, you haven't said this verbatim, but like speaking things into existence. And obviously the conversation we had, obviously prior to you obviously being here, I said, I wasn't surprised where you, and I mentioned Kalu, obviously who's not here. I may, may mention him a few times because you two kind of like were joined at the hip. Um, <laughs> like I wasn't surprised he went to, I forget what, uni what university did he go to? He went to Cambridge University. Cambridge, yeah. and so you went to. I went to Birmingham City. Okay, cool. So I wasn't surprised that he went Cambridge, and I'm and I'm looking and I'm thinking back whether these were things that he said at that time that he was going to go to the university just based on either the grades he had then mm. or based on his ambitions. So I wasn't surprised that you two were successful, and obviously you've gone on to do what you what you have done, and I'm sure she would divulge obviously one or two and bits very shortly. Um, so like, like my question being really is I don't want to say the school you went to was a good or a bad school, but mm. like you're between you and Kalu, very both obviously both very intelligent pe boys or people, sorry. Where does that, not where does it come from, but there must be some form of discipline or dare I say natural intelligence. I don't know. I don't think, I don't believe in natural intelligence. Okay, cool. I think it's, it's work. I think work it's, ethic. yeah, I think it's, so I believe in talent. Yeah. I believe that we were, there were people who were born with talent, mm -hmm. but I think you can lose that. And I think someone who has the work ethic and wants to put in the work could surpass someone with talent in any arena. Mm -hmm. um, I think, again, it comes, down to, it comes down to values. It comes down to the beliefs that were instilled in you growing up. Um, it comes down to the foundation that you have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this whole kind of notion of people who are who are born in privilege on a privileged society doing better than us isn't true they just have a head start and so if you come if you start here and you move up here and someone else starts here and moves up here who's more successful mm. right yeah it's the person who's come the furthest of course, yes you know who's traveled the, the longest road who's more successful in my eyes um and so we i think me and kalua were close and still are close because of the values that we share, the 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 kind of the things on a granular level that we subscribe to, the things that we believe um, are the things that bind us, I think. Um, and those are the things that are always the things that when you have no clarity, you revert to, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's God, whether that's self-motivation or self-belief or... Uh, confidence or you know, yeah ambition yeah it's your baseline that you kind of always go back to and I'm extremely competitive I'm highly ambitious I have lots of belief in myself even if I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> but I would try you know like you know there's nothing you could tell me that you're better than me at and I'll just be like okay cool that's fine like I won't I may not like challenge you to it but internally I'll be like is he sure? <laughs> you know, I want to find out. I want you to show me. Um, and I think that's really important. When you have those things instilled in you, um, you will you'll try things. And, and then you kind of learn the hard way. Oh, you are better than me. <laughs> and that's also good because it builds resilience, you know. And because I failed in things that I was willing to risk and try, I'm now more resilient. I'm yeah. now more able to try other things that I know I might fail. But I'm willing to do it because I know that failure doesn't hurt me. Mm -hmm. It makes me stronger. Of course. You know, and that's it, it sounds cliche, but it's actually true. true. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Most cliches are. I was gonna ask you, you mentioned self-development books. Um, how often do you read at the moment? 
Um, it's about finding time. But I think like anything, if you think it's important, you'll prioritize it and you'll make time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I'm traveling a lot and moving up and down between meetings or things or events, um, I actually listen to audiobooks most of the time. Okay, now. cool. You know, I prefer that. Um, I have a few books that when I have time, time I open up and read because it just feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my favorite books, even if I listen to audiobook, I buy it. Okay. Um, just to have it. I'm, I'm a collector. I like having things that, you know, that mm-hmm. are nice and things that I like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because even if you're not reading, it's a reminder. Like if you're sitting in this room right now and you're looking at that painting there of that monkey or these um, these Mac Macs uh, around the room, it makes you think things. It puts you in a certain yeah. state, yeah. right? So when I'm sat in my, in my room and I see the shelf there with my books and I might catch a glance, it puts you in a state of like, oh, there's that book. Catch up on that one. Yeah, yeah that inspired yeah. me. Let me yeah. think that way, or let me revisit that thought or that idea, um, and that's 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 good. Mm-hmm. Um, and also get, gets you away from your smartphone, and we're attached to these things as well, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so that that's good. So yeah, I listen to lots of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you remember the first self motivational, self development, self help book? Which, because I I can tell you're highly motivated anyway, but that might have something clicked. Or it, it it's lodged in your memory for a specific for a specific reason. Yeah, um, I must have read like three or four self help books leading up to this one. But mm-hmm. the one, the one that kind of changed everything for me, that put everything into perspective, is "Start with Why" by Simon, Simon. Sinek. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard book. <laughs> that's a hard book, um, mainly because I think it speaks to the internal me like who I am internally um you know I believe in doing everything on purpose I don't like just doing things for the sake of doing them um and I think I always ask myself the question why even before I read that book mm-hmm. why am I doing this or why am I spending my time and energy and resources um on this thing um what's the payoff mm-hmm. what's the end goal and I think Simon's book put that in a way that was so well articulated that it just, it, I just engaged with it, mm-hmm. you know? And I picked up lots of gems about how to apply myself and how to build on my why. You know, understanding your why is so important, you know? Um, and I think from that, that opened up the door to other people. So mm-hmm. all the other people, all the people I named earlier, um, in most cases, I, I learned about them after Simon. And mm-hmm. probably they some of them are more better known than Simon. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched TED Talks. Yeah. So I discovered Simon from the TED Talk. Um, his TED Talk was start with, start on why <coughs> and thinking outside. So starting internally and then working outwards. So most of us have a process of what, how, um, why. You know, so what is this thing? How am I going to do it? Why am I doing it? But his process was why do i want this how am i going to achieve it and what is it you know um which is just naturally how i think and some of the most inspiring figures that i look up to think that way as well um and that's not something that i was taught it's something i just had in me Mm -hmm. and so when you find someone who i guess understands your speaks your language and you hear that and you're like wow that makes complete sense (laughs) and that's what happened with me and um in that book Oh, that's a that's a very good process. I'm trying to think um, 
whether that's a process I incorporate now or something I need to, something I need to do, you know, to change my dynamic. So that was why, how, and then what, yeah? Mm, All right, yeah. cool. I'll look, I'll, I'll, I'll revisit. <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit about, I mean, I know you went to university. Um, what did you, do you mind telling us what you studied there? Yeah, so um, I studied communities. Okay. And then I studied the application of theatre. Okay, wow. So it's right. two different things. Yeah. So community development. So that's less your public relation kind of stuff. And yeah, work. Okay. exactly. So engagement to, um, you know, galvanising and mobilising communities to think about something and act on it, mm-hmm. um, whether that's a social issue like homelessness or, um, I don't know, a crisis is happening um, or building social capital, um, for instance. And then using the arts as a tool to engage that community and enabling them to push the agenda or the message forward. Mm -hmm. So how do you talk about social issues like, you know, uh, disparity or the lack of opportunities within um, um, BAME communities, for instance, with people who've never engaged with this, you know, topic before? It's like, what do you think about poverty? I don't know. It's my life, isn't it? You know? Mm But some people might want to articulate themselves about that through music mm-hmm. or through drama. And so you might uh, role play some scenarios and dramatize a few scenarios about someone who has privilege and someone who doesn't. And then pose the question, what do you think about that? And they'd be like, oh, that's not fair. Okay, so now we know that inequality is about fairness, you know? And so you start to delve deeper in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because it opens up, um, I guess, sometimes difficult or challenging conversations or issues to people who don't normally engage in that issue in a way that is accessible to them. Mm-hmm. And that, in a nutshell, is my job. And that's what I do every single day. And how did you, I mean, how did you find yourself in that role? So you've gone from university. I mean, how did you, how did you find yourself just working with, obviously, a London borough? Mm. I mean, was it a case of, I mean, obviously, I allow you to tell your story. And obviously, I know you did poetry and stuff like that. Was it a case of you... Um, doing a lot of poetry and then someone caught eye of you and then from there obviously you start working obviously within your community or otherwise? Um, it's interesting. So I kind of, after I finished my, my degree, um, then I got into the work I do, mainly kind of self-employed. Yeah. Um, so set up my own company, did uh, theatre and education. So trying to go into schools. And at that time, schools were going through the transition of becoming academies yeah mm-hmm. you know so it wasn't it was becoming more harder to get into schools you know they, they became like the harrises and the arcs and all mm. these other um brands and so on um so it became a lot harder for someone independent to try and go into so, so those schools and i tried to place my strength i'm like i'm young i can relate to them you know i'm around their age group you know um but i didn't have experience yeah you know so they look at that and they're like okay cool you're you know you seem like you know what you're talking about you're engaging um, the kids might like you, but you don't have experience. You don't have credibility. Mm-hmm. And that's so important to any business, having credibility. And so I started thinking, well, how do I build credibility? Okay, align myself with uh, people and organizations that are credible. What's more credible than the government? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in that sense, right? Um, in that sense. In that sense, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not in every sense, but yeah. <laughs> funny yeah (laughs) Um, so yeah and and then um, I met uh, the local MP at the time in that area Uh, spoke to him um, and that was the kind of first point of engagement and then 
you know, I saw the job opportunities and stuff. So funny enough, this is what I did. I finished uni and then I have a degree and then I did an apprenticeship, you know. And a lot of people that I knew at the time were like, bruv, like you just came from uni and you yeah. have a degree and you did an apprenticeship. Um, but there's values to that. What they didn't understand is that the apprenticeship is the application of knowledge. So I just spent three years soaking up all this theory and I'm eager to apply it, mm. you know. And when you do an apprenticeship, you're actually spending more time applying that knowledge and less time, you know, you're, you're learning whilst you're doing it. Mm. So you're less time kind of sat in a room mm -hmm. with this. Hands on. Yeah, this mm. autocratic person stood in front of you is telling you what to do. Um, and you're thinking, I just want to get on with it and do it. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I got into into that into into my job um but then the other part is about creating opportunities within the opportunity everything i look at is always an opportunity to 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 make something of something mm -hmm. um and so the opportunity there was about well how can i a become more embedded in my community i've now moved into a new area because i used to live in west mm -hmm. uh, i've now finished uni and i've moved to south london an area that I'm less familiar with um, because I didn't spend my teen years running around in that area mm. um, and don't have any kind of meaningful friendships. Um, the thing that moved me to that area was um, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that was it. That and my job. That was the only thing that connected me to that area. And so through my job and my work, I was able to connect myself with the community, the wider community, and have something of value to offer as well, you know, because you never want to go to a party like, hey, I've just turned up, <laughs> two long hands, right? You want to <laughs> you want to bring something. You want to be like, hey, here's a drink mm. or here's a gift. Mm -hmm. And so when you have something of value, whether it's uh, something that people can learn from or something people can benefit from, then people are like, hey, like we want we want you to come, you know, even more. Like then you agree to open arms, and I think it's always important to have that. And if you don't have that, even you know, in any environment, people are going to be like, oh, that was a waste of my time. Like every engagement that you have with someone has to be meaningful, has to be special, has to be, you have to take something away from it, whether it's inspiration, knowledge, mm -hmm. power, a new friend, whatever, like take something away from it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I knew that I had a passion and talent for uh, spoken word and poetry. And so I just embedded that in my work, you know? I found a way to squeeze the things I want to do anyway for free into the things that I get paid to do. And then as a consequence, that churns out more opportunities for you to right. keep doing more of that in other arenas, in other spheres as well. Gotcha. That's powerful. That's really powerful. Um, you mentioned earlier about doing, putting rap with Shakespeare. Um, I know, I don't know if you're aware, but Carla does something similar mm. in regards to, have you ever worked with him or done anything similar in regards to workshops and things like that? No, I'd love to work with the Carla, man. He's a legend. Yeah, I love yeah. him. Yeah. Um, no, I've never worked with him. I've seen him perform a few times. Mm -hmm. I've seen him speak. Um, we shared a stage once where he spoke at an event for Black History Month about three years ago, I think. Um, and then two people after that, I, I went on and I spoke. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't get to see me, unfortunately. Carla, if you're watching this, <laughs> look me up. <laughs> he didn't get to see me speak because he left by then. He kind of like popped in, did his thing and then left. Whereas I, I kind of, you know, stayed for the whole thing mm -hmm. um, and then did my thing and then stayed to the end. 
Um, so yeah, no, he's someone definitely that I, you know, I think he's a he's a legend in this. You know, he's yeah. someone that's taken his passion and his talent for rap and used it in so many different ways, even to affect you know politics as well. You know, mm. talk about things that are really shifting the culture in terms of the debates that we're yeah. having within our own communities mm -hmm. and the things that we think and the things that we think are important. And obviously he's an avid reader as well, mm -hmm. you know, so he's an inspiring person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And what exactly, I mean, to be specific, what exactly was your apprenticeship? Uh, so my apprenticeship was more customer service. Okay. But it wasn't, <laughs> it was, the apprenticeship itself was customer service, but, um, I just created opportunities within that. Yeah, I never. That's what, what you're supposed to do. I yeah. moved. Yeah, I moved yeah. around and did lots of yeah. stuff. I worked in HR. I worked in housing. Yeah. I worked in the contact center. I worked mm -hmm. in. I worked on apprenticeships. So the apprenticeship that I was doing, I worked in that team to develop to help develop the apprenticeship mm -hmm. and the engagement around that. Um, so I moved around around four times within a year. So, mm -hmm. so this is the London Borough of Southwark. I'm going to say. Yeah. Or Lambeth. Southwark. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever? Come across definitely highly confident, highly motivated, ambitious. Have you ever have you ever doubted yourself? Have you ever had moments or elements of doubt that have crept in? And if so, what how have you managed to to to, to drag yourself out of that mindset? A lot of us do go through it. And I just wondered if if just from the way you're speaking, it's great, it's positive and it's powerful and it's motivating. But do have you does elements of doubt have they ever crept in? All the time. Okay. I doubt myself every moment, <laughs> every single second. I mean, you say something or you do something and then you immediately think, I could have articulated that better or I could have mm. done it in a way that was more powerful or, oh, I forgot to say that. Like, that's doubt. That's doubt yeah. creeping in. But you have to just learn to reach a cutoff point and dispose of that. And Don't dwell. I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. I want okay. things to be clean. I want things to be perfect. I want yeah. everything to be flawless. I want to impress myself, first of all. And then I want others to feel the effect of that, you know, because what we feel is contagious. Mm -hmm. What we say isn't. You never, like, you, you forget what people say, but you never forget how they said it or how it made you feel when they said it. Um, so, you know, again, it's about the states that you put yourself in. And, you know, if you're in a state where you want to learn and you're open to that, you're more likely to learn. But if you're in a state of, I don't want, mm -hmm. you're more likely to not get anything from it. If you're in a state of, um, I'm not confident, you're more likely to exude unconfidence, yeah. you know? Um, so I always put myself in a state that I want to, yes. I, I want to be in, you know? Before I go into any single um, engagement, I, I say this to myself, how would the person I want to be do the thing that I'm about to do every time I say that I said that just before I came through the door mm -hmm. and then I know that the state that I need to put myself in I know that I need to put myself in a state that is uh, that communicates confidently that is clear um, that isn't like uh, 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 mm -hmm. uh, you know all these things that you know um, that sometimes I am all of us are mm -hmm. you know um, and so yeah, so like what dynamic do you want to set in the room? Like every single person that's walked into this room has set a dynamic. They brought an energy or presence that then affects you guys. You know, that either means that you guys are more interested to talk to that person or you're like, 
my gosh, when's this going to finish? <laughs> you know? Um, and so I think, I think that helps. I think that makes a huge mm. difference. So yeah, no, I definitely doubt myself, but uh, doubting yourself, like everything is a choice. We choose to be the people that we want to be. We choose to do the things that we do. We choose to say the things that we say. We choose to behave the, in the way that we behave. And those choices inform who we are ultimately at the very, at the very end. Just like how you look affects how you feel, how you feel affects how you think, how you think affects how you act, and how you act affects who you are and how people perceive you, right? So uh, the thing, the choices that we have, the choices that we make, uh, our decisions affect our behaviors, and our behavior become who we are as a person, and who we are forms our lifestyle, right? And so there are people who... Uh, habitually are the way they are mm -hmm. because they've been doing that thing so much, that behavior, they've been repeating that behavior for so long that they become that thing automatically on cue, right? And so the more you practice that behavior, it becomes a habit that then becomes who you are. And so I try and act out those traits and those behaviors that I know more of and I try and um, get rid of the things that I don't want to be and the things that I don't want to do mm -hmm. um, on purpose and all these things begin from one simple thing a choice mm -hmm. and that's the power that we have as human beings and that's what makes us humans I think um, that we have complete autonomy over who we are if not other people you know mm -hmm. definitely sound very disciplined yeah I was yeah. thinking the same thing as you, as you speaking you strike me as someone you write stuff down you make a plan to get how, of how you're going to get there, whether that's in one month, one year, whether it's in five years. Are you that This is what it sounds to me like, unless it's just all in your head. <laughs> so <laughs> is, are you, are you, you have that, you have that, you let off that impression. And it, it's, it's a good thing because it's something I'm not in terms of, in terms of structure and writing stuff down and saying, I'm going to do this by this day, ticking off my list. That's mm -hmm. one thing that I need to improve on. Yeah. Um, I'm disciplined, but, probably not as disciplined as you might think I am. Okay. Um, I'm creative by nature, which is I'm a left brain thinker. I mm -hmm. always mix the two things up. Um, so we have right brain thinkers and left brain yeah. thinkers. Um, one is more process driven and the other person is more kind of, you know, outside the box, you know, yeah. making things up. Um, so I'm definitely a more kind of creative person. Um, I like to write things down, but I don't always feel like I need to. I think a lot. I overthink mm -hmm. um, to the point of procrastination sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm definitely someone who marks things off by feeling. So I feel everything I say. I feel the things that I do. Um, and that's where my discipline comes comes from. I if If I'm not intelligent, if I don't have a high IQ, I have high emotional intelligence at the very least. I know that, right? Um, and maybe that's that's the thing that helps me on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm able to look at someone and emotionally connect with them immediately and just know you're in a bad mood or you're someone not to mess with or, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, and, you know, I, I, I need to be more confident or more assertive with this individual or um, I need to take it easy with this person. And that's really important, you know, and that's things that we're not taught at school. These are things mm -hmm. that... You know, are really important and <laughs> not talk to us. 
I feel, I feel like there's a joke. There's an inside joke coming. <laughs> no, no, no. I think French joke. and Pox know exactly what I'm going to ask next. What's more important? <laughs> well, I was going to ask e- you, but I could see, I, I see you wanted to Ooh. jump in. Here. Go on. <laughs> EQ or IQ, in your opinion? I think EQ is more important. I definitely think EQ is more important. Chime in, No, I wasn't. <laughs> it was, it was more like... He doesn't agree. No, dude, I, I said EQ was more important. Didn't you say IQ last time? I think... No, I, you I said IQ I, I think I gave an example. Sorry, because this is your time. Sorry, no, no, it's, I it's gave time. An, I gave an example, and I'm not going to go into it, but I gave an example of where actually IQ might take precedent over EQ. Okay. I gave, I gave a scenario, essentially. Yeah. It was us two that were very... Yeah, I, um, I knew it was, was two, two yeah. against one at yeah. one point. Yeah. So I felt a bit what, more comfortable what, there. What was the conclusion? <laughs> um, that, that I got ganged up on. No, that wasn't the conclusion. <laughs> Well, well, we were more comfortable. I think an expert yeah, I, came in or we had a conversation. I can't remember who came in at the time, but I think they, let's say, validated our thoughts, I think it was. But then he was an EQ specialist, so he would really. Yeah, I know, yeah. Time. So, yeah, I mean, it was EQ that came out to be... I mean, again, again, it depends on your perspective anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think both are important. Yeah, you know, definitely. And there were, there were times where you need both. Yeah. Um, but I can always see... I see every eventuality where you need EQ. Mm-hmm. Okay. See some eventualities when you don't need an IQ. Got you. And that's why I say EQ is more important. Okay, got you. Do you have any? Um, do you have any? You mentioned a book earlier um, by Simon. I can't remember what the surname Senec. was. Simon Sinek. Do you have any go-to books when when you when when we spoke earlier about moments of doubt and you said, yeah, I do have these moments of doubt and I work through them. Is there any go-to books or go-to chapters within a book where you might reread a chapter or a paragraph and it's like, okay. I'm back to who I where, I where my focus is back or whatever it is. Mm. Whenever you're in moments of maybe doubt or moments where I don't know, you just I don't know, just doubts probably yeah, the best no, way to say. Um I think when you're feeling that way, it's more about uh your spirit spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, turning to God in those moments is really, really important. Um you know, I read the Quran. Okay. I read the Bible. Um, so I'm not a Christian, mm-hmm. but there are lots of values and beliefs that are that I share with Christians. Um and so yeah, there were there were lots of kind of examples within that, um, or different stories yeah. of people who've been through trials and tribulations and have overcome that, uh, that are good references. Okay. For us. Yeah. Um and then again, you know, away from from religion because I think you know, mainly because of my work and the people that I engage with on a, on a daily basis, we try and be as secular as possible, mm-hmm. um, because you want the information that you give or the ideas that you present to be accessible to everyone, and we're now living in a time where not every single person has a faith in the in the sense of religion. Right, but I still believe that everyone has a faith. I still believe that everyone has to believe in something, mm-hmm. whether that's you know yourself or your family or a value, family values or money or mm-hmm. whatever. Like you have to believe in something. Mm-hmm. These are the things that give us drive to go out there every single day and face the world and do the things that we do because we believe in something. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that belief, then you're kind of just you know living in this thing we call life aimlessly mm. and without any purpose or um, direction. And I think that's sad. You know, I think we all need that. 
Um, so yeah, you know, turn to God is is my first kind of port uh, of call. Um, family is the second. Um, so going to people that I know for sure love me, and even if they give me advice that I don't agree with, or point me in the direction that I don't agree with, I know it's coming from the right place, mm-hmm. and that helps. And then thirdly, um, going back to myself and looking within myself and trying to revisit the things that are, again, my foundation, mm-hmm. those things that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and revisiting those and seeing if there's any kind of solution to anything that I'm facing or any issues or any doubts that I might have. Um, going back to books, The Power of Now is a good book. Uh, the Power of Habits is a good book as well. It talks about the habit lo- loop and how sometimes when you focus on something or you put yourself in a certain state or in a certain environment and you do that, it's hard to get out of that. And so finding those cues to come out of that and go into a different part of who you are or a new part of who you are is really, really important. And how to do that as well, mm-hmm. um, which is the challenge. Because sometimes we kind of get caught up in a rut of things that are happening, which which isn't your fault. It's not us. It's other people around us. We are, by nature, people who are connected to others. Nothing, Nothing that we are or anything that we do is in isolation. Everything's connected. And so when people are putting out energy or vibes towards you that then influence your thought and your behavior and then who you are, that thing again, um, that's an issue because we shouldn't be in those positions where we are so affected negatively by others to the point of where we lose ourselves. But it's about balance. It's about contributing and being open to um, gaining something from other people as well. It's an exchange, you know? If you're thinking about it in a capitalistic sense, I give you something good, you give me something good. You know, if I'm giving you something bad and you're giving me, giving me something good, that's an unfair exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's losing out. Um, so yeah, looking at those things, um, just trying to think of other books actually that, that really inspire me to think outside the box. Leadership now, I, re- I read lots of leadership stuff. I'm interested in leadership. Um, so after I finished my degree and I did my apprenticeship, I went to Burbank University uh, and studied leadership and governance, okay. which speaks to the work I do now, um, which is a really interesting degree because looking at like uh, lots of uh, figures throughout history who've led in different ways and the different approaches that they've taken. So from the... Uh, democratic leader who puts it out to every single person and says, you know, reaches a consensus, the autocratic leader who says, I'm going to do it my way and that's it, to, um, you know, Shakespeare's quote about some of us are are born into it, some of us are thrust into it. Um, That's wrong. I'm misquoting, but something like that. (laughs) Along the lines. Along those lines. (laughs) I'm misquoting. And I worked at Shakespeare's Globe as well, so, you know, that that, that was a good quote. Um, But yeah, I feel like I feel like we've gone. <laughs> so I was going to. So have you, I mean, you spoke about a lot of um, self help. Self help. No, my language. My language today has been terrible. Um, self help books. So like, have you got anyone who not necessarily you look up to, but any inspirations? What in terms of self help? Um, no, we're kind of not moving away. But I mean, like anyone who you find like inspirational. Oh okay. 
Wow, okay. My dad is a, like a legend to me, fully inspiring. Um, you know, other people in terms of like other figures, um, more kind of notable people. Uh, Muhammad Ali, of course. Um, not because of like, I have no connection to like boxing or anything like that, but more <coughs> about how he carried himself and the individual that he was outside of the ring mm -hmm. and how he conducted himself in that sense. You know, he's an inspiration in the sense of how do you take your platform and do other crazy things with it that change the world, that inspire people, that, you know, could stop a war, you know, um, or start a war, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> so he's a good sense for that, you know. Um, um, Martin Luther King for his, you know, inspiring ways of speaking and his just command and his motivation. Um in how he delivered his speeches and how that came from a, his his foundation of faith as well. Um, he's another inspiring figure for those reasons. Um, I feel like what I don't want to do is go through the, the, t the stereotypical yeah. people that, you know, we all kind of know about. I was going to ask you a leading question in regards to your more creative side. Mm. Um, who's what, what inspires you when doing poetry or who inspires you? Hmm. Uh, People inspire me. Mm. So my poetry is very much inspired by my experiences with others um, and the time I spend with other people. So their perspective on something that I either share or don't share. And then how does that then inform my idea or something? And yeah, I mean, it's, it's most of my work is about people in place. You know, um, I'm very much a person who likes to be felt more than heard. I'm a person who likes to experience more than do. Um, so Daniel Pink, another author, great author, he speaks about, uh, he's got a book called Drive, which is about motivations. And I love that book because it talks about intrinsic motivations and extrinsic motivations and the things that, com what, what compels us to do things the things that we do that come from who we are internally um so you know like why do you go to work every day why do you get on with the people that you get on with like why do you gravitate to the person that might look like you when you walk into a room and you sit next to that person there's something intrinsically in you that's telling you that that makes sense mm -hmm. like go for this instead of this and then there are things that are extrinsic motivations like um like what you wear you might not like it. You might not want to wear Gucci or Louis Vuitton or whatever, but because socially that's what other people think is good or cool and because we want to be connected to that thing or that idea or those individuals. And so we want that. And that's an extrinsic motivation. It's something that is outside of you that is motivating you to act, you know? Um, and it's, it's a shame that, you know, we, we live in a society where we probably act out more of our extrinsic motivations than our intrinsic ones. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that leads into all types of things. There's research around um, mental health and mental ill health that's connected to that. You know, last week, Thursday was uh, um, World Mental Health Day. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we're doing a bit of work around that. Um, so there are things that are linked to that as well, which I think is is important. Um, and it's, it's an issue because our intrinsic motivations are being 
drown out by all these like this content and these things that are happening around us that are literally changing who we are because we're focusing more on those things and we're losing ourselves and what are we becoming like sheep and robots and things that are just following a process of like being other people we're not being ourselves you know um so yeah um motivation so again like wordplay like every single word i think about like you know when i when i when i'm saying it or when i'm going through it, i think about oh what does that mean when you break it down um so yeah so emotion for instance you know so intrinsically we're emotional beings all of us are emotional beings um e motion so e is energy emotion, emotion is mm-hmm. yeah exactly so so and then the mind is what gives us direction and guidance so your mind is what channels that emotion to the direction or the place that you want it to go um and so when those two things come together and they work together that's the best combination you can have and a lot of us don't always put the two things together we either act on our emotion so you're acting on something that you haven't processed and given it a meaning or thing or direction because you haven't taking time to mind it right um and some of us act on things that we think and that's habit because you do it so many times that now it's a trigger you just see someone who looks a certain way and you think something or you react in a certain way uh you see a reward like food and you're like oh i'll have some of that you know mm-hmm. you don't think about that you just reach for it you know because you're used to it you've done it so much times um that your body and who you are has become accustomed and used to doing those things. Um, yeah, so that I think that's a, an, another important point. I feel <laughs> I'm one of those people that we start somewhere and then like it goes all like I do all the time. <laughs> it goes I into a different time. realm, you know. No, I do all the time. <laughs> so, what do you see next for yourself? And where would you like your poetry to go as well? If it can go, I mean, you opened up at. at um... Borough Market, but I don't know what, you might have other plans coming up, but where would you like your poetry to go, your spoken word? Um, Sorry, so, yeah, no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to ask the both, I'm used to having six questions at the same time. And then, <laughs> um, so next, uh, so as I said, I always have a clear one year plan, yeah. three year plan, five year plan. Um, I don't always share those things. That's fine. Because, yeah, that's fine. because I think sometimes people can hijack your aspirations and your vision yeah and you get blocks you know um so yeah i can share with you guys no i totally understand um but definitely yeah lots of different things that are kind of in play at the the same time you know i believe in doing everything that adds to the thing that you ultimately want and sometimes that might go somewhere else i mean the things i do now i didn't necessarily plan to do this but i plan to use the things that i've learned in whatever capacity that, that I that I have it in. So if I was working in banking, I'll still be doing this. But mm-hmm. within banking, I don't want to work in banking. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but, you know, all those type of things. Um, where do I want my poetry to go? I want, I always want to do things that add value to the world. I always want to do things that uh, inspire others. I think I try and take every opportunity to try and do something that is inspiring. Um, so, you know, Probably the most exciting thing I've done with my poetry yeah. is worked with another great author, best-selling author. His name's Andy Cope. Mm-hmm. He wrote The Art of Being Brilliant. 
um, and, you know, working with him and going to different places and performing and turning the art of being brilliant, the book, into poetry. You know, my own kind of way of expressing what brilliance is and mm-hmm. how do you how do you articulate brilliance and how do you uh, show your brilliance in different ways. Um, yeah, so, you know, that experience was crazy for me, you know, being able to just stand there in front of a huge audience to hear my poetry and mm. alongside someone else who inspires me. And, you know, when we talk about state and you 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 get you engage yourself in a conversation or in an experience with someone else that then heightens your state of motivation or your state of inspiration and then you're able to do better like you're able to deliver a better version of yourself because of the influences you have around you um and that's what andy did for me you know like so i didn't have to come in there and set the mood kind of thing the mood was set there for you you know and then like you already now have an audience who are like Give me more of that. Open. It's hard, yeah, it's hard to like come in a space and influence and command that space. Like it takes lots and lots of years of practice and experience to be able to do that. Um, but when you have someone who has that experience and that expertise to be able to set that for you and you come in, it's an easy ride. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to sell anything. People already bought into the idea. They already subscribe to what it is you're giving them. And so that's great. And when, you, when I have those opportunities... You know, I lap those up. You know, yeah, I want more yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, you know, um, yeah. So I've traveled. I've you know, for for work and personal. Like one of my favorite hobbies, both um, myself and Shan, we like to travel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we travel as much as we can, whenever we can. Um, and then creating opportunities within that to meet people, to be able to link with people who are doing inspiring things around the world, and being able to share platforms with them as well. Um, is always good you know I'm always ready you know any eventuality I'm one of those people that in my mind I pretty much know what I need to do and how I need to do it and so when the opportunity arises I am ready mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to be like uh, I'll come back to you on that like it's here now I'm very intuitive like that like you know we'll, let's do it now um, and that comes from again like hip hop it's crazy like how one small thing can influence <laughs> such a big part of your life you know freestyling battle Battle rapping all that stuff stuff. i love that stuff you know and that helps you know it builds it builds your intuition and i think that's really really important as well on that note i guess before we tie up do you have a piece of poetry that you could recite now you're always ready (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i fell into that trap didn't i (laughs) shut up yourself (laughs) i'm ready (laughs) (laughs) you say (laughs) Um, no okay. pressure. The, so yeah, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking about I I'll leave it up to you guys. You guys decide motivation or self help. Um, I'd say motivation. Okay. So, what's your purpose? Are you living a purpose driven life? Or is life driving you without purpose? Through this journey of life, where we often measure our own successes by the standards of others, but you stand above others, a beacon of excellence, 
bringing hope to those in search of your guiding light. Yeah, we're all champions in our own rights. But you, you're the art of brilliance. And this, this is what happens when rare stars align. See, my mother always tells me that I have a bright future ahead of me. But of course, she just wants to see her son shine. What's true happiness if it isn't a state of fulfillment? And I want to capture every moment. Take a picture. Film it. Because I'm just a young man with a passion and a way with words trying to live out his dream. Because just a few years ago, Andrew, if you had told me everything I have achieved to date, it would have all been a myth. So it's ironic that I was standing at the Unicorn Theatre doing this. Life is no fairy tale, but it's fair to tell that this young protagonist prince wants to fare well, well. William Shakespeare said that all the world's a stage, and I'm just fortunate enough to have a captive audience to engage. Because see, just a few years ago, I didn't believe in miracles. But now when I look at my reflection like mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the greatest of them all? The miracles, me. I said I didn't believe in miracles. But when I look at my reflection, I see that the miracles, me. With self-belief, you can achieve and overcome any obstacle because it's the power of self that brings you up when you're down and have nowhere else to go. You say you're self-made, so you came from nothing to something. But that nothing meant something because it provided the fuel for this drive. And so you strive. But where are you going? If you're driving in a car with no wheels, it's like God gave us drive, but no will. Ew. See, that's what I at most fear. To be in disguise amongst the stars who don't shine clear. I said, that's what I atmosphere. To be in the skies amongst the stars who don't shine clear. Being brilliant takes practice. You can't just reach out and grab it. It's a habit. So if someone's providing the tools to cope with the mechanics of being brilliant, then I think we all need to have it. Why do you think I wake up every morning and put on a suit? I'm in pursuit of my dream. You see, every line you come across just isn't what it seems. This is a role that I'm fitted for. To suit up and get to crafting whenever I seem stressed. Remember I said every line you come across just isn't what it seems. This is the role that I'm fitted for. To suit up and get to crafting. Seamstress. The world's our canvas. And with mine, I'm trying to create a portrait to portray every last bit of my legacy until I stand with the elites. My sole purpose is to never see defeat. Yeah, I could stand it all day and preach. But what's the motive of this motivational speech if it doesn't reach? So if this is the only time I get to stand on form and perform at the fully booked platform like this, I wouldn't want to give it a miss. It's like I came up out of an abyss from underground rapping to this. Sheesh. They say it's harder for you to come up when you've come from the pavement. But I thought pave meant 
creating a smooth path for others to walk through. So if I do well, you will too. But let's not dwell on that. You do you. Because we all play a small part in a part that's part of the bigger picture. Small pieces to a puzzle, fitting into our parts, pulling together to become greater than the sum of our parts. Salute. Very good. Mate, that was dope. That, that was, was really good. Sick. Yeah. Serious. Serious. And I that enjoyed that. Sick. Really good. Awesome, man. I enjoyed your guys, man. You guys, <laughs> you guys are doing an awesome job here, man. You know? <laughs> um, I mean, we normally end off with three questions that we ask every guest. Um, but before we get into that, did you guys want to... No, I didn't. No, I didn't have any more questions, no. I am now speechless. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Mute. That was... That was sick. Yeah. Sorry, but I, yeah. I do have a question. Was that... Um, oh my goodness, where the hell's my language? So that was off top? No, 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 no. Okay. It's both. Both, I know, I thought <laughs> both. So. Okay. so it's something that is... That I've written and I've practiced and it has structure, but there's always, you know... Room if you find an, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. find an opportunity to add something okay, in it cool. or pick up something and make it personalised, mm -hmm. it's a personalised experience, then yeah, cool. you do that, yeah. Had to ask. <laughs> yeah, I freestyled the whole thing. Like, you know, I came in here, and I was clueless from the very top. I I'm need always to get signed, ready. You know? <laughs> these bars, baby. Yeah. All right, so let's just dive into the last three questions. Um, what are the three top values that you bring to your business of work? Wow. That's a good question. Three top values. Um... I would say respect, um, and that is about respecting yourself and respecting others and respecting the things and the environment around us. Um, I'd say self-belief. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really, really important in, 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 in yourself in terms of driving things forward, but also other people having self-belief it makes a better team and it creates a better environment for people to, to do things together. Um, and thirdly, you can see I haven't thought about this before. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and thirdly, I'll say what's important is um, resilience. Say resilience is really important in business mm -hmm. um, because without resilience, there is no coming back from failure or coming back from anything and mm -hmm. those things are inevitable those things are a part of life those things are part of business those things are part in everything that we do um so yeah respect self-belief resilience will probably be my top three for today tomorrow it might change <laughs> you know i'm flexible like that <laughs> <laughs> no that's good um second question being uh, if you had three realistic wishes what would they be That's a juxtaposition. Like you're saying realistic and a wish. Like those two things don't go together. <laughs> like, you know, realistically, I wish. Uh, three realistic wishes. For myself or for... It could be for Eva. It could be for the general population. It could be for yourself. Mm. Um. So this is a wish that I probably wouldn't have had before because I, I'm not a person that necessarily values money. Mm. But more recently, 
I began to see the importance of money. So, you know, I'm going to say money, lots of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not for the reasons that maybe the average person might say, I want money. Um, but I think for me to be able to do more of the things that I love and to be able to just do it freely, you have to have that capital to, to support yourself and others around you. Mm-hmm. Um, being a responsible grown, up, grown man now and stuff, you know. <laughs> um, that will be uh, one of my wishes, not in any particular order. Mm-hmm. Um, the other wish would be that we all have the opportunity to do the things that we want to do from an equal playing field. Um, so this is about equality and it's yeah. about the points in which we start from mm-hmm. um, to be able to achieve this thing, things that we want. Um, so that would be my, my second wish. Um, and my third wish would be that we reconnect. I think, you know, when we talk about like the modern age and the digital age and the, you know, the, you know, the things that we've been able to achieve because of that, mm-hmm. you know, connecting, but also disconnecting because of it. I think connecting again away from these things um, is something that I wish that we had. Um, and I wish I grew up in that era. I think I'm probably the last generation who probably just kind of missed, you know, as as I turned kind of in my late teens, the whole kind of digital thing went crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so my experiences, I think, are probably experiences that no one else who's below the age of like 25 will have experienced, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I see, and I see the good things that come from, you know, the next generation, uh, which is Gen Z, um, and some millennials. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes you, I think people are some, a lot of young people are able to articulate themselves and connect with people better through a screen than they are face to face. I meet lots of young people who you think, wow, this guy's confident or she's very confident. And then when you meet them, it's like... Not a word. Yeah, mm. you know, um, and I think, and I think that's 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 sad because I think we connect with people and we buy things and we subscribe to things because of our connection to people rather than things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, I'm, I, don't, I cannot think of one thing that I'm connected to, um, but I can think of lots of people mm. that I'm connected to, even people I haven't met just because you're from the country I come from or you like the same sort of music as I do Mm -hmm. or you hang out in the same area that that I hang out with. And Mm -hmm. um, those things are connections that compel us to want to do things and to, you know, um, act on one of the things that we are in this planet to do, which is um, advance, you know, uh, ourselves and advance life on this planet. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I'm rambling again. But that is the third no, thing. Right. <laughs> I felt like I needed to explain that one, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like as clear cut as like, I want money. <laughs> no, no, you explained it very well to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Last question being is, what three books could you live with, not live without? Uh, so three books I cannot live without. I'm going to start that way. Um, is, yeah, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Um, Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. By Napoleon Hill, mm-hmm. um, and 
I was going to go thirdly by Simon Sinek again, which is Leaders Eat Last. I love that book as well. That's but, fine. No, but it's, I kind of want to mix it up a bit. I want to give fine. other people yeah. an opportunity, that's, you know? That's... <laughs> <laughs> um, probably Psycho-Cybernetics by Something Maxwell. Audiobook. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, it's really, really good. It's about... Uh, going back to the basics and breaking down everything that you are and starting afresh, you know? So how do you, you know, go through life growing up to becoming the person that you are and then realizing that this doesn't actually work for me, yeah. you know? Um, because not everyone is privileged or lucky enough to have the right parents for them mm -hmm. or the right friends for them um, to help cultivate the person that they need mm -hmm. to be. And psycho-cybernetics is about breaking down everything that mentally you think you know or you think you are um, in your views and perspective of the world and starting again from the ground up and then how do you build yourself back up um, and I think it's really really powerful science in that um, so it's not just like you can do it yeah, if you yeah, yeah. think it you can achieve it you know <laughs> which is great I mean I love all that type of stuff but this is more kind of practical things that you can really really apply on a daily basis even for like someone who's a you know, skeptic, you know, yeah. you can look at it and be like, I see the logic in that, yeah. you know, um, and that's the other thing, like, you know, we're emotional beings, um, we're biological, so we're not logical, we are, we are people of feelings, um, but this book is one of the things that actually put the, the bio in logical, you mm -hmm. know, and brings those two things together, um, and makes a lot of sense to me. Um, books, I can... Yeah, that was three. Yeah, yeah. You just want to keep going. Yeah, I just want to keep going. <laughs> you should start um, poetry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was really good. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming down and joining us. Where can the people reach you? Where can the, the general public, the listeners, the subscribers, the viewers reach you? If you want to be found. That's the other part. Um, you can reach me in the streets. Catch me in the streets. You know, I'm out in the streets. I'm out in the streets, man. I'm out here. <laughs> We're talking about connection here, and they're like, oh, here's my Twitter. Here's my Insta. Um, just Sule Mohedin. Um, put it in Google. You can, I could be Googled now. So yeah, do, do that. Um, or Sule Rap Poet. Mm -hmm. um, S-U-L-E-Y is my name and then Rap Poet R-A-P-O-E-T Rap Poet yeah so, um, yeah I guess yeah that's, that's the end of it remember to subscribe rate like um, any comment. feedback comment mm. book suggestions guest suggestions all that good stuff mm -hmm. yeah let us know peace out yeah awesome yeah again wow.